0: Hello and welcome to the Now Spinning Magazine podcast with me, Phil Aston. And on this episode, I'm absolutely delighted again to welcome back Steve Hackett. And Steve, you're about to release your your 30th solo album called The Circus and the Night Whale on the 16th of February 2024. I mean, what... Now, a lot of people say um, when you do this, oh, it's a concept album, and then they, oh, yes, it's sort of. But this really is a concept album, isn't it? This really does have yeah. a beginning, a middle, and an end.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I prefer to call it a story, a narrative. Um, I know that the concept albums had a had a had a bad name at one time, um, and so when publicists put that that in. In the bar, I always go, "Oops, ah, right, you know, what's so great and what's so new about having a concept album? Yes, nothing, absolutely not, except that it's an attempt to tell my life in in a musical autobi- autobiographical kind of way. I can say that this earlier
0: in the Because <laughs> the, the main character is called uh, Traveller. Um, yes. Th- now, did the, this, the character come about before you really started writing and recording the album or did, or were the songs like coming together as like separate islands and then you started to think this could be a story?
1: Um, I think after we had, we had one track and the concept started around about then, um, the idea of fitting up something that was a cross between a love song and a rock song together into this that that wasn't going to be a problem um because relationships and above all my relationship with with joe my wife has been you know such a big turning point in my in my little old life um so i i think that um things were obviously taking shape as we were doing it so the story was developing in parallel with some developing so there was a a mirror being held up the whole time, the idea of self-commissioning to some degree. But, you know, uh, um, yeah, self-commissioning an, an imaginary film or book, that was the way I was trying to um, uh, 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 arrange the songs, orchestrate them, uh, write them, and all, all of that. All of those processes that one time we used to think were separate um, really all do tend to coincide, Um I was talking again, you know with joe we we were writing stuff together, and um, um we felt it was right to do something like this about now, you know, songs of innocence, so to speak, become songs of experience when you hit a certain uh, hit a certain age, and um you know i've I've arrived there rather more quickly than I was. I was hoping, in terms of the, uh, which, you know, Peter Gabriel and I shared practically the same birthday, so I expect we'll be calling, giving each other a call round about our birthday, or writing to each other and saying, you know, um, <laughs> how does it feel to be to be as as uh, 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 as advanced as we are? You know, this is, um, you know, are, are we, you know, are we still boys? Are we Chinese sages? what do we know at this point in time that we didn't know when we were 21
0: when we started working together? Yeah, because the whole album has a very theatrical feel. And I think in one of the interviews on your website, you're you're talking about saying it's like a movie for the ears. Now, when when you and Joe met, I think you met because Joe was writing a script for a film. Is that right? So, and Joe's helped write some of these songs. So did that... Did your relationship and her background in writing light like, scripts help pull this story together? As a
1: yes, I think so. I mean, she's she's a born writer, really. Ever since she was, there's a picture of her as a seven year old, proudly showing something that she'd written, seven or eight years old, and, and uh, to her aunt, I think. And and I think she was always encouraged to do that. Her father was a teacher, and her grandfather had been a teacher too, and they both played violin rather wonderfully i i gather and um uh, it's a, it's an interesting thing where you know her family have become my family and um, but you know some of the more influential um uh, people have, have, have now passed on of course so we're not all on the same timeline but um um yes it it, it, it it's basically been a huge a huge influence all of that and i, I like to think that my Relationship with music has broken down the prejudice that I may have had against certain forms when I started out or instruments. And the difference is now, compared to the boy who was almost exclusively interested in electric guitar back when I was nine years old, listening to the shadows, um, you come to realize that every instrument and really any any effects box or stop box everything has got its uses you know that's something may have age stamped all over it and that's where i really the, the beginning of the album which starts in 1950 uh with samples of radio from 1950 a very quick sample of, of this and a bit of a the way the bbc sounded and the way um newscasts were with avali dell and and the listen with Mother Exa just before, you know, the RUC. Yes, City fantastic. Company, all of that, they're all portals into, and they are ways of framing the album to try and start the album with these various, um, I suppose it's decoys in, in, in a way. Yes, a, a rock album that starts with anything but rock and and anything but modern for a good minute or so before anything anything starts that's vaguely rock and roll steam trains meets babies meets
0: yeah it's a, you must have had a lot of fun pulling that collage of sound together
1: yes that's right you're quite right it's 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 it it is a collage um it's a collection a collection of sounds more, more you know in, in a way it's, it's like audio traffic that was <laughs> what was yeah. going on this is <sighs> going on as I when I was born and screaming my head off for the first year i was born giving my parents no sleep whatsoever for the first year and um uh but yeah that was that was it you know babies are disorientated and london the first track people of the smoke refers to london london um the nickname for london
0: is the smoke the
1: smoke, the smoke so that's there's no implication that people Actually, smoking any wacky backy or anything like that. People of the smoke refers specifically to London, 1950, the pollution, post-war yeah. recovery, bomb oh. sites. Uh, London very very busy, but a very dangerous. Uh, a very dangerous place for for young lungs. Um, yes, all of all of that goes into the making of the record. I almost said film. That there's actually a very nice video from. Yes, yeah. that Paul Gosling did, and Fantastic. there's a very nice video for the other end of the album. The track "Wherever You Are" very, very different. You know, one's black and white; the other one's color. Um, evolution of of things. My life story. It's all it's all mixed up together.
0: Yeah, it's what it comes across as being like it would make a good film or a, a good book as well. As you say, the videos are really good and they illustrate it as well. And then the second track in is Taking You Down, um, which is it's about like a dubious childhood acquaintance. Yes. Uh, and um, and it's got a very kind of bluesy, almost purple-esque feel at the very start. Um, yes. It's got a lovely feel to it. Uh, and then the next one, Found and Lost, deals with first love. Yeah. And- I love the orchestral like Spanish guitar and the laid back late night feel to the track. And there's a little bit of Genesis sprinkled on the top there (laughs) to to my, to my ears, but it's very emotive, very emotive. I love the way it switches to that kind of late night feel as as well. It's, it's different, isn't it? It's it's dark,
1: dark and smoky, but in a different way in a, in a sort of blue note club type, type manner. The harmonica at the beginning, which was my, first instrument but it's it's a sort of whale rather than the. it's not trying to be raunchy it's trying to be spooky and take you back there to that sort of thing that you you get from saxophones and um, um brass instruments that we associate so much with with the blue note era of yeah yes that's right all those classic, classic jazz covers yeah re- recordings yeah. and those classic covers of course which um we're usually in half light. That's right. Usually smoke. in close up, up, up to the microphone with a, a single spotlight that, that, that the soloist will be lucky to get. But all those, you know, marvelous albums that were done um in that fifties era, uh it's it's an echo it's an echo of that. Yes.
0: And uh, the next one, Enter the Ring, which it has a real feel of then and now, because obviously I think this is probably the one with the to me, the most Genesis-esque yes. elements to it. But it's still very yes. still very now. There's also kind of like the there's a bit of yes and wishbone ash in the vocals, and there's lots of dips in and out to to the past, but it's got some fantastic guitar runs and, and lovely vocal lines as well. Um was this a song that when you put this together, you, you're you aware of kind of mirroring the then and yeah. now?
1: There was, uh, when I was working with Genesis in 71, we were doing nursery crime, and there was a song that was almost like this. Um, and we didn't quite have that instrumentation, uh, but it was a fleeting moment of something that always haunted me. So I thought, um, uh, it's not a particularly original um, a a chord sequence, but it it the twelve string guitar set the the tone for so much of when Genesis called things guitar based. I was sort of you know guitar based songs as screaming loud yeah. bluesy stuff. A guitar based song for Genesis was invariably twelve string, either acoustic or electric, Rick and or. or uh, one of the many that we that we seem to possess between all of us. Um, and um, in those days, uh, there were bass pedals prior to the arrival of Taurus bass pedals with their kind of brassy, almost overdriven sound. Uh, there were Vox bass pedals that I remember Mike Rutherford used to put through a fuzz box sometimes. So he was always heading towards the sound that was eventually uh, Taurus pedals. So, uh, And Taurus, of course, tried to emulate the sound of the low end of, 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 of a Moog since analog days. Uh, so we're doing an impression of an impression of an impression because it's modern keyboard trying to sound like a 70s uh, uh, uh a bass pedal set doing an impression of of a um, of a, you know keyboard at that time. Yeah. So sort of brassy overdrive. That in a way, the brassy quality of that and the static nature of that um, means that we've just got strumming. We've got very um, instead of dense wall of sound textures. We've got um, uh, that gentle strumming sound and and bits of harpsichord and bits of uh bits of harp and various bits of keyboard but they all sort of float in and out you know you don't get too many repeats and and a thunderstorm which was going on while we were recording this and so we caught yeah. we stopped and caught the the um uh the thunderstorm and 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 used it as a way to to bring it in as a kind of um, as no, a link, it works really well, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm proud of the fact that it wasn't an off the peg uh, one. That it storm. was a bespoke, tailor made <laughs> uh, storm going on at the time, and and the sound of that rain was literally going on outside the window. It was it was really heavy, and um, uh, we did it in, in two passes because we had uh, a, a mono microphone. So we got one side, then we got the other, and yeah. put them together. But they were both from the same, same Storm. thunderstorm. Yeah. And um, I, I love the sound of that. That's just now. It's really, so really beautiful. beautiful.
0: Yes. Uh, the next one, our hero traveler realizes he's been controlled in get me out. And you describe yes. this as rock noir, which is a great term, by the way. Um, but about about two minutes in, it turns into jazz rock noir. <laughs> it's really like really ferocious yeah. guitar playing and. You know, do, do you have that section planned in your head or do, do part, songs like that come from doodling and a bit of jamming or do you already have it in your mind, this is what we're going to do?
1: Um, Well, songs evolve. I don't think... Uh, um, songs don't usually um, appear chronologically. It's a little bit like borrowing a leaf out of something that John Lennon said he said you have ideas you join them up later okay that's as much of a pointer as you'll ever get uh in terms of how to write how to write a great tune from the master's pen now um i can't remember what came first uh but i had an idea that i could do a track that was a kind of a waltz a bit of a dance of death um, mm. a, t- a chance to go shredding. Yeah, Um certainly. To borrow from all sorts of areas, really. Uh, the use of vibes was... Um, I, I, I was thinking of Dylan stuff around about Highway 61. Um, some of those textures where I think his band sounded at their best... Um, and the production with the live drums was particularly good. All sorts of things were good about that. Al Cooper, uh, Mike Bloomfield together, all of that. And um, you know, the, the production, that whole whole thing Bob Ezrin, um a very interesting era when Bob Bob went electric, as it were, and yeah. uh, and and angered all the folk purists. But It seems to me that, you know, that that Dylan is interesting in all his eras. And um, uh, just because you've adopted one doesn't mean to say that you've abandoned uh, abandoned the other. So I've always had this idea that, okay, you can have rock, you can have thunder, but then you can also have delicate things too. You can have um, acoustic guitars, whether they're steel or, 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 or nylon, depends who you listen to of course so um the the biggest influence on me as a nylon player was and, and remains Andres Segovia because he, the stuff that he conjured initially with um uh Bach played yeah. uh, lots of that stuff recorded in the 1920s 1930s uh transferred from medium to medium um when I first heard some of this stuff in 1965, I thought it—I thought it was super clean. What was I thinking? Um, but then, you know, we didn't have very sensitive heads on downset little mono yes. players, and um, and um, yeah, I, I thought this is um, this is extraordinary. Perhaps the angels took over and removed all the distortion, wow well, and flutter for me. But you listen to that stuff now for for the performance, not for its audio quality. Uh, it's like watching or listening to, you know, a great tenor singing, you know, yeah. uh, um, Caruso. You're not listening for production. You're listening for the power of the, the emotion, The power of the performance that yeah. accompanies
0: yeah. that. Well, that's that what we, music is all about, the transference of emotion from one person to the next, isn't it? So, you well, know, that's that, it. You know the, the next song um I'd like to just mention is one of my favorites. Um it's Ghost Moon and Living Love. Um ah. I think Amanda's operatic vocals at the start are, are absolutely yes. beautiful. And the but, yes. but overall your voice, your the singing, the guitar melodies, it's such an uplifting and joyous song. Um it really kind of lifts the spirit. Was that a, in the sense where we are on the story, is that how you saw this song? Well, uh I had an idea
1: of there's a number of factors. I had an idea of writing something in the style of the band Dare, Darren Wharton, who's oh, got yeah, this yeah. wonderful yeah. wonderful voice that I absolutely adore. Love the album uh Beneath the Shining Water. Yeah, I know. And yeah. I, I wanted to try and sound like him. I don't sound like him, nobody's got that voice. That's him. Uh but his vibrato uh was to die for vocal vibrato. So I tried every trick in the book to try and to try and get that. Um, but the song it kicks off with Amanda. Um, um, it was um, Mario Giometti yesterday. I was talking to, um, and he was saying he described her voice as celestial. And, yeah. um The the beginning there's there's a little story that goes with this. Um, many years ago, I was on the Louisiana swamps, as you do when you're yeah. playing in New Orleans, and you had an afternoon off and went on the swamps. Uh, Unfortunately, a storm was brewing, rain came down, and you've got that big wind machine to drive the the raft. And so I swallowed more than my fair share of swamp water. (laughs) You couldn't avoid that. And I had a terrible reaction. I was desperately ill from it. so Swamp Fever was with me for a good two weeks on this tour that I was doing at Borders Bookshops where I was just turning up literally to sign things and play a little bit of acoustic. It wasn't until I hit New York, Ian McDonald said to me, the like, great right, Ian McDonald, lovely, yeah. sweet Ian, said, uh, you should have some chicken soup, some, um, you know, a bit of Jewish penicillin. So I did and um, went to bed that night And I had a dream, and I heard the very thing that you hear on record. It's my creation of it, my recreation of it. Um, And as I was listening to that, I mean, I was in pain. Even in my sleep, I was in pain. And um, I heard this beautiful healing melody, and it was as if the the clouds parted to allow this ray of celestial sunshine to come in, and the pain went in the dream it went. And I woke up and I remembered the melody. I wrote it down straight away. And all these years later, um, I said to Mandel, I've had this. And I talked to Roger Dean about it. He said, I would be fascinated to hear that piece of music. Uh, What's it like? And um, so it's an introduction to the rest of the song. Uh, Yeah, I mean... um, That's part of it. Other parts came along later that some of the harmony stuff um, came along later, the idea of using a fixed harmony on the guitar, um, a fixed fifth, I think it was. And um, uh, so a lot of the the singing that followed later on, the harmony stuff, was against very fragile either acoustic or or a one-pass guitar that, that supported it. Um, I suppose that has got a slightly Genesis-like ring to it: arpeggios, yeah. picking, and, and and vocal over the top. I did, I did the harmonies myself, and I thought it's too monochromatic. it Sounds like one bloke. It needs to sound like a team. So um, again, uh, Amanda was both part of the song at, at all aspects, but um, we did that, and and, and again the feeling of the sun comes out when I do harmonies with her it sounds so much better because um, she's an octave up it's sunnier so you'll hear a you'll hear a combination of voices uh, with uh, myself Amanda uh, that we've used on quite a lot of albums now but I, I can't get
0: enough of it it's um, no it's a it's a beautiful song and then of course the, the next two it's a complete change in direction with the, there's that kind of really eastern feel with Circo Inferno and Breakout where you right. absolutely turn your guitars up to 11 uh, and it, it, the interplay between guitar uh and keyboards then drums then sax it's and just sax. yes, yes. <laughs> everything's oh. in there absolutely wonderful and, um, the, and the,
1: tar, the tar at the beginning from Malik Mansurov who's um yeah an extraordinary, yeah. extraordinary player. Um, yeah. of that which sounds a little bit like sitar, but it's a tar- short scale instrument. It's yeah. um, um, fantastic, about a foot and a half long, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because uh, I know we're running out of time, but I just want to mention a couple yeah. of things. And now we go into All at Sea, which is lovely, atmospheric, lots of ambient music, and into the Night Whales, which is really eerie and proggy, and and. What's happening to a traveller at that point? Because he's well, literally, he's at, he's at the end of his rope, or life's about to change completely. Yes, I, I think
1: uh, uh, the album for the first half is is more literal. I like to think in in, mm. in my mind, the circus as a sort of euphemism or symbol for all things to do with music and performing in a travelling band, a travelling circus. Um, but as it continues, um, the album borrows more from. Other stories well known stories uh being swallowed by whales it's jonah it's pinocchio it's all those things but it's also it's the leap of faith that um accompanies this where we were thinking joe and i we were thinking um uh, we should make this more symbolic um and a third person this idea of of um Everyone's life journey being their own hero's journey. Um, everybody goes through this. Everyone goes through the various transformations and transcendences that happen. And, and the night whale was the idea of um, facing the very thing that you didn't want to face, doing the most difficult thing, but in order to clear space for something a uh, 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 better, greater, and, and necessary at the end of it. And for me, it was pulling away from certain um, restrictive relationships. Um, I, I felt I had to go go through that. Um, um, so the third person, it started in the first person, but, you know, this the idea of doing a very personal album, but in so doing, perhaps by revealing more emotion and talking about what you're going through and the various problems that life faces i think at the at the end of it it made it more universal So, if anyone was would be thinking oh he went through that too you know um i went through this i had to leave my job i had to leave my family i had to go through a divorce i had to do these various things um i've got an adage which is you have to be unpopular to be popular <laughs> at times i think that uh, it, it's it's the whole contradiction of, of like the paradox that yeah you know the things that you might feel most guilty about actually are the very things that you should be doing so it's a little bit of a reverse of the uh, of the pinocchio idea but even that's you know hinted at there the uh,
0: yes uh, it's a beautiful oh. song and uh, definitely my, my second favourite on the album. And then the following two, uh, Where You Are and then White Dove are probably, I think it's just the, that this section of the the whole album is wonderful. But that section, Where Are You? You've got words like, what are we living for? Why do we strive? Design knows no bands, living your love's cry. And can a song travel to the ends of the earth, which I think is such a, beautiful line the whole song's got some great guitar tapping and great melodies and of course the way it ends with White Dove your absolutely exquisite um you know nylon guitar playing I mean that's why I think I've always started the conversation the whole thing just pans out like a just wonderful musical and visual journey for the ears thank you well I um i I think
1: that you know nylon guitar and, and um, the muse that alights for that is very different, or it seems to me, it's almost like a different god. You're playing the electric guitar; um, they're both as. Although I know one would think of the uh, electric guitar as a, a delinquent instrument that, that does all the things that are opposite to a nylon. You know nylon seems to be all about resolve um, that's the way it's used on the album but you know uh, electric it's um, it's angst ridden and and um, it's still that screaming child trying to um, justify its existence in 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 the world and I noticed also I was affected you know quite profoundly by the death of Jeff Beck who I was such a huge Fan of, and um I noticed on one of the things they put up on YouTube that he'd always considered himself to be naughty, which is a word that you would use for a child, but if there's a naughtiness in it, it he was constructively perhaps always doing these things that guitars were f- forbidden from doing, or no one had dreamt it up. so I understand the use of of the word and um and as I was playing as ever. I was thinking: um, Is this a tone that he would have liked? You know, would he have approved this use of of tremolo arm? Um, uh, Because obviously, you know, he was king of tremolo arms, no doubt about that. And um, and in terms of someone totally, totally in control of his instrument, or so it seems to the rest of us. that use of clean one minute distorted the next, whammy bar, not volume pedal but you know volume pot on the guitar, um, you know quite a juggling act. All of that. Um, so, yeah, I I, I felt I, I was paying homage, if not jam, a channeling, and thinking, you know, I hope this is I hope this is worthy of what he has shown us that guitars can do
0: well it's a wonderfully varied and cohesive album and i think it shows every aspect of your musical personality as you've developed over the years and it all just fits in so well together um the album comes out on the 16th of february and i understand there you can still pre-order some signed copies can't you from Hackett songs is that correct
1: yeah, I'm. I'm about to. Uh, I've got a short visit to Norway, and I think that at the end of that, I gather some some production co- copies a ride that Sandbag now. So I've, I I need to sign those. I'll be doing it as soon as I I can. It may be the vinyls have ride, first of all. Um, I'm intrigued to see what the what the sleeve will look like.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic big, artwork. It's supposed to be a
1: big a big mouth. Um, yeah, the mouth of the whale and swallowing the circus and yeah um uh audio wise i'll i'll be listening to cd because because i do um but um i think you know visually like you've got album sleeves there yeah. um i'll be i'll be interested to uh, to see how it how it blows up I get to see it i want to see it on the big screen really
0: <laughs> fantastic andy will you be touring the album um as well Yes,
1: I'll be, um, I'm off on tour very shortly to the States. Um, I'll be doing a selection of things from the album um, as well as other things and celebrating other eras, including um, a fair amount of celebration of uh, Landmines Down on Broadway as well, but not exclusively because I'm not doing the whole thing. I'm doing what I think is is, um, some of the strongest moments from
0: it in an attempt to keep everybody happy, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, tries. Okay. yeah indeed well thank you so much steve for all your time i remember the album circus and night Whale" comes out uh, on february the 16th and i'm really looking forward to getting a copy as well so thank you again steve and i hope you, you again in the future thank you lovely i hope to do so myself all the thank best you. thank all you right. so a huge thank you to my guest steve hackett um and it's absolutely fantastic to talk about his new album the circus and the night whale um I wish I had a bit longer to go through some of the other tracks as well. It really is a fantastic album. And to me, it really illustrates the importance of an album. All of those songs that I mentioned, um, especially, you know, the songs that you can see on video on YouTube at the moment are all wonderful songs. But when you hear them together as the whole story, and this is such a theatrical album, it really, really brings it together and shows you that the album really is an art form, like a film, like a book, where you can really immerse yourself in it. So, The Circus and the Nightwell is out now, and you can get a signed copy from Steve if you go to hackitsongs.com. So, thank you for watching. Thank you for being here. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, to the podcast. We're on every platform. Visit nowspinning.co.uk, and I shall see you all very, very soon.